Over the last few weeks, we've looked at a couple of handful of different things uh, related to what we're trying to do around here at Redeemer. A few weeks ago, we looked at the idea of service, that all of God's people are gifted and called to use their spiritual gifts, their abilities for the sake of others and helping the church family accomplish its mission. Last week, we took a look at the Apostle Peter, fervently love one another from the heart. His challenge to all of God's people to love one another. And we talked about community groups. What a, what a great context that can be to live out the one another's. And encouraged you, if you're not in a community group, to join one. And at RedeemerCommunity.life, you can flip through those cards. And if you're interested in joining a group, you can let us know. This morning, I want us to look at Luke 10. Matt just turned us to Luke 10, and we're going to look at not only the verse he showed us, but quite a few more right around it. We say, as we've been saying over the last few weeks, worship gatherings. We, we gather here on Sunday mornings as a regular rhythm to worship our God, to turn our attention to His Word, to learn together who He is what he's done for us and what he's called us to be and to do. Worship gatherings, discipleship groups, beyond the worship gathering into a smaller group, a men's study, a women's study, a community group, regen, things like that, in order to build relationships and to encourage one another and spur one another on to love and good deeds and to pray for one another and to comfort one another. Worship gatherings, discipleship groups, service teams, whether it's kids ministry team or worship ministry team or first impressions team, whatever it might be, using your gifts, joining one of our teams to help us accomplish all that God has given us here at Redeemer. And then finally, worship gatherings, discipleship groups, service teams, mission circles. My circle, our circle, and the world. Living on mission with Jesus in my circle where I live, where I work, where I play, where I'm passionate. Our circle and the geography that surrounds this place and, of course, the world. We want to be a people who live on mission with Jesus in those three circles. It's often been noted that the purpose of the church is at least threefold. The purpose of the church is to worship God. It is to nurture believers, and it is to live on mission towards those who don't know Jesus. To say it another way, exaltation. We exalt God. Edification. We build each other up. And evangelism. We go out with the good news of the gospel. It's been said this way, upreach in reach and outreach. The great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The great community to fervently love one another from the heart. The great commission, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Luke chapter 10, verse 3 Go, behold, I send you out. 
In chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke, verse 51, a new section begins in the Gospel of Luke, and you see it. When the days were approaching for his ascension, it's only chapter 9. This Gospel goes all the way until chapter 24. But this begins a move of Jesus. You see it. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. And Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen at Jerusalem. He was going to be rejected. He was going to suffer. He was going to be crucified. He knew, though, that he would be raised three days later, and he would ascend to the Father's right hand to reign and to rule. And he knew that there would come a day long in the future when he would return. And as that was approaching, the days of his, for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Knowing that all of that was going to happen, he begins to train his disciples with ever-increasing intensity. Knowing the work which they would be commissioned to do from the time of his first coming until the time of his second. And we see his passion right off the bat. In verse 52 of chapter 9, he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. You know, the Samaritans, they were half-breed Jews, half-Jewish, half-Assyrian. There was great enmity between the Jewish people in the south and the Samaritans just north. And as Jesus and his disciples are making their way through Samaria, Jesus sends some messengers to the Samaritans. Hey, can we stop in here for a while? And they reject it. Verse 54, when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? This is the, th the sons of thunder right here, James and John. You want us to call down fire upon these disbelieving, rejecting Samaritans? It's time for the judgment of God, isn't it, Lord? But he turned and rebuked them. Some manuscripts add and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. As Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, as he knows what's about to come, as he's beginning now with greater intensity to train his followers, we are to be a people of compassion, a people of love, a people of mission. What did Jesus know was about to happen after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into heaven? that he was going to give his spirit to empower his people to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And remember a guy named Philip in Acts chapter 8 who took the gospel to who? The Samaritans. He preached the gospel to the Samaritans. They believed and a church was planted. Verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. 
You sure you're going to follow me wherever I go? Following me won't be easy. Shoot, the foxes have places to go. The birds of the air have nests. But if you follow me, I make no promises to you of physical comfort. It may not go well at all to follow me. You still in? Even if it's hard? He said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Don't put off following me. Don't put off the kingdom purposes which I have called you to. Following Christ and fulfilling his commission takes precedence over everything. Goodness. Another also said to him, I'll follow you, Lord, but first permit me to go say goodbye to those at home. Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. These are hard statements from Jesus. Meant to encourage us, meant to challenge us that we are not to bow out, not to put it off, and not to go back. Knowing that he was going to go to the cross and die and rise and ascend and be, if you will, gone for millennia. He's preparing his disciples for what it will mean to follow him. We are a people of compassion. And we are a people who follow him. We don't bow out when it gets hard. We don't put it off for other things. We don't go back to an old way of life. We follow Christ. Now, that's just a start to chapter 10. Now, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others, sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come, and he was saying to them. So here's some lessons from the Lord Jesus to his disciples, to you and me, as the sent ones of God. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you'd like to take notes, one word here, urgency. The harvest is plentiful. The field is so huge. It is, in fact, the world. We are to be a people taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And why do workers out in the harvest beg for more workers to go out into the harvest? Is it because they're lazy? No. It's because when the harvest comes, you only have a small window to get it in. Insects, rain, hail. When it comes to full grain, you've got to get it in. And if we think about maybe what Jesus may have in mind here, humans have 60, 70, 80 years, and then they die. And the Bible teaches 
After death comes judgment. There's a little window, Jesus may be saying here, between his first and second coming. So beseech the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. His burden seems to be get out there and beg God that he would send more of us out there. There's an urgency that Jesus is calling for here. Secondly, my word here is dependence. So go, but behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. We are the little sheep of his pasture. And he is sending us out into the world that doesn't much care for God and for his word and for his gospel. On the face, you and I would think it would be so different than that, huh? Because we come with a message of good news that there is a great God, an infinite God who is personal and longs relationship with his people. He has made himself known in the pages of Scripture. He has sent his son Jesus into the world to save us from our sins. And he is a God of grace and of loving kindness and of mercy. And if we will but trust in him, Our sins are forgiven. We're adopted into his family. His spirit abides with us, and we have the promise of eternal life. Wow, won't the world just love that message? But we know that they don't. The gospel is a scandal, it causes outrage. Because our message is not hey, man, we're all good. I'm good, you're good, everything's cool. God's the great grandpappy in the sky, you know. It's not our message. Ours is a message of the greatness of God, but the sinfulness of mankind. We got some really good news that, back, that comes behind that, but that kind of news, that you and I are not all right in and of ourselves, that we have sinned, And the wages of sin is death. And that there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to make ourselves right with God. That we are absolutely before him, empty-handed. As we studied through the book of Acts, we saw that that message of God's grace is disbelieved. His followers are threatened, warned, imprisoned, beaten, stoned, scattered, beheaded, speared, and worse. And so as lambs sent out in the midst of wolves, we need to be dependent upon God. We need his grace for courage, and we need him to work to open hearts. That's the only hope that we have, huh? It's not how sharp we are. It's not how good at evangelism we are. We need God to open the hearts of the unbelieving. Sadly, this has been the reason that so many of us maybe bow out of living on mission with Jesus rather than lean in 
in dependence on him. I'm sent out as a lamb, as a little sheep amidst the wolves. I'm out. I'm out. Rather than I'm a lamb sent out among the wolves, Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm going, but I need you. So urgency, dependence. Next word here maybe is intensity. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Wow, thought we were supposed to be nice. Jesus is saying here, travel light and be intense. Don't get caught up with the things of this world. No money belt, no bag, no shoes. Greet no one on the way. Some of you may remember the story from 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha, the prophet, and he hears of a Shunammite woman. Her son has died. And she comes to Elisha because she wants Elisha to come and do something. And Elisha sends his servant Gehazi. And he tells Gehazi, if you meet a man, don't salute him. If anyone salutes you, do not answer him. What's the point? Get there and get there fast. Probably none of us have ever seen this, but we can imagine it being in the airport and seeing somebody running through the airport and they have a cooler. And maybe inside the cooler is a heart or maybe inside the cooler is a liver. And you know, what, you know what's happening there. They've got to get there fast. And what if as they were running through the airport, you said, hey, man, you want to have a cup of coffee? What would he say to you? He wouldn't say anything to you. He would just keep on going. He would not mess around. And Jesus maybe is saying to you and to me, don't mess around. We are going sent by him with a message of his grace and of eternal salvation. Don't get distracted. Be intense about this. Boy. Every once in a while I've shared that video of my old pastor, Tom Nelson, if I were the devil... If I were the devil, what would he do if he were the devil? What would you do if you were the devil? You would want to discourage the people of God. You would want to deceive the people of God. Um, you would want to disqualify the people of God. You would want to distract the people of God. Get us so consumed with money bags, so consumed with our shoes, so consumed with other things that we leave off the intensity. I'm being called on mission with the news of Christ. So we're to be urgent, dependent, Intense. 
There's a blessedness to what we do. Verse 5. Whatever house you enter first, say, peace be to this house. Now, this is not just simply, um, hey, have a nice day. I think in the context, this is a messenger of God, a messenger of Christ coming with his message of peace. We know that the gospel brings peace between God and men. That because of our sin, we are at enmity with God, but because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, Romans chapter 5, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. The enmity is gone, and we are at peace. And as messengers with the gospel, we go forth with this message that offers peace. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. Just as Matt said, these are unbelievers who, though when they hear the gospel message, yes. And they respond to this message that they can have peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And then what do they do? They then go and invite their friends. And they begin, they say, hey, listen, do you need a place to stay? I'll help you. I'll feed you. Don't you worry about your needs. I'll take care of you. And hey, I'm going to invite some friends over so that you can tell them about Jesus. What an incredible blessing it is to be a messenger of God's peace. If a man of whatever house you enter first, Say, peace be to this house, and if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. You and I, when we share the gospel and someone believes, the peace of God comes upon them. Maybe we forget this. Maybe it would do you well and me well to sit down maybe just in the quietness of our room and turn off all the stuff and just meditate and ponder upon the gospel and all of the incredible implications that it has for us. Forgiveness. Adoption. Peace. We have peace with God. And we know that that forgiveness and being made a part of his family and having that peace with him comes only through Jesus Christ. We know it didn't come from anywhere else. And maybe, that would, maybe that kind of meditation and prayer would spur us on to get out there maybe more than we do. There's also severity. Here's another word. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not... It will return to you. This seems to be the idea that they would come and they would pronounce or they would proclaim the message of the gospel. If a man of peace was there, wonderful. But if that person re rejected them, was not a man of peace, didn't want to hear the gospel, didn't care for the gospel, 
it will return to you. Your, the peace that you are offering will be taken off the table for them. Jesus said, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That's the severity of the message, and as its messengers, that's the severity of who you and I are as we live on mission with Jesus and proclaim this message of salvation. And if it is rejected, of judgment. When this happened, it doesn't mean that we're done with them. Probably not one of us in here came to faith in Jesus the first time we heard the gospel. Maybe we heard it and shunned it, heard it again and shunned it, heard it again and shunned it, heard it again and again and again and again and again and rejected it. But then, lo and behold, the grace of God in, in the mis, mysterious sovereignty of God. We believed. Here's another word, maybe. Exaltation. Eh, maybe not the best word, but it's the best I could do. So verse 7 picks up again on this man of peace. Stay in that house eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Jesus is talking about to these followers of his that he's sending out, and they weren't necessarily going out into the neighborhood and coming home every night. They were going out, if you will, as missionaries, and they would go to a home and proclaim the message, and a man of peace would hear that message and say yes, and hey, come on in, I'll take care of you, and I'll meet your needs, and I'll feed you some food, and give you a place to stay, and do you need some clothes, and can I get you a new pair of shoes? I will take care of you. Just as in the Old Testament, the, Le the Levitical priests were supported by the nation, So too, throughout the New Testament, are the ministers of the gospel supported. Book of Galatians, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. In, in the book of uh, 3 John, talking about missionaries who go out, John said, they went out for the sake of the name accepting nothing from the Gentiles, meaning the unbelievers. Therefore, we ought to support such men as these. John says, they're going out for the sake of Christ. They're worthy of their wage. Let's support them so they don't have any needs. Also a boldness. Whatever you sinner you... I'm sorry, whatever sinner. Whatever city... You enter and they receive you. Eat what is set before you. We maybe could add the word flexibility there. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you know what sort of flexibility you need when food is set before you. Verse 9, And heal those who are in it, who are sick, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. There's a boldness to what we get to do. And oh, that I would believe it. And oh, that we would believe it. That when we proclaim the message of Christ and salvation in His name and when it is received, 
we can say to a person, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You are as secure with Him right now as if you were sitting in the very throne room of the King. You are forgiven. The righteousness of Jesus Christ has been imputed to your account. You're adopted into His family. You belong to Him. The kingdom of God has come near to you. But then this passage ends soberly. Take a look at it. I mean, verse when we started back there in verse 2, it's like one little thing here and then another thing here and another thing here and another thing here. But we're about to start in on this warning Verse 11, all the way down through verse 16. Verse 10. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your, of your city which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Whenever you would come down, if you were Jewish and you were up in the north, in Galilee, or you would come down and you would either go around Samaria to get to Judea, or you would go through Samaria. But if you went through Samaria, once you crossed the border into Judea, you would shake the dust off your feet. Because under the Old Testament economy, if you will, they were unclean. They were outside the community of God's people. And so they would, whether they should have or not, it was, they would shake the dust off. It was an act of, you are outside of the covenant people of God. And Jesus seems to be picking up on that. That whenever his messengers proclaim his message and it is not received, they are outside of the people of God. I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the day, in that day for Sodom. That for the, than for that city. If you know your Old Testament, you know that Sodom was a godless place. And everybody would have expected God's judgment to fall upon Sodom. And Jesus is saying that those who reject the message, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom than for them. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. These were the places in which Jesus' disciples were going up in the north. If the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. Along with Sodom, Tyre and Sidon were also unrighteous cities in the Old Testament. They, the Jews, would have clearly thought of them as being under the judgment of God. 
And Jesus says that those who reject his message of peace, his gospel, it'll be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for them. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. Goodness. Jesus is the most prolific preacher on hell in the Bible. You will be brought down to Hades. That is, if I understand it right, the holding place of the unrighteous dead before the final judgment. Verse 16, the one who listens to me, the one who listens to you listens to me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Strong words from Jesus. Friends, you and I are sent out. Verse 3, go, I send you out. At the end of the book of John, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. You. What a reminder that as we go out, there's meant to be an urgency about us. There's only a little bit of time to get the harvest in. A day is coming when Christ will return, and quite honestly, it will be too late. And we need to go out with dependence upon Him. He sends us out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Let's not fool ourselves. We do not go out to be warmly received. Jesus warned us, you go out as sheep amidst wolves. But don't let that scare us off, but rather lead us to dependence upon him. We go out with a sense of intensity. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes. Greet no one on the way. This, this work is too intense. It's too important to get distracted by so many other things. We go out with a sense of blessedness, though. We carry the message of the peace of God, and we present it to the world. And when they believe, the peace of God comes to them. We go out with a sense of severity, though. If they will not receive it, they await, as we just saw, judgment. We go out with boldness. We, through the gospel message to those who believe, we can say the kingdom of God has come to you. You are forgiven. You are his child. You are secure in him. But we go out, boy, with a sense of, oh. Maybe the best word for us here is fortitude. It will demand of you and me fortitude to be able to be faithful to this message that to the one who believes, peace. To the one who doesn't, friend. It is appointed 
for man to die once and after that to face judgment. The wages of sin is death. We are sent folk. We gather for worship. We get into discipleship groups and we serve on a service team, but then we go out to live on mission with Jesus. Jesus said, I send you out. May God help us. May God encourage us. May God embolden us for this great, great calling. Let's pray and then we'll sing this morning. Lord Jesus, you knew what was coming as you approached Jerusalem. And you knew that there would be century after century of this age. You reigning from heaven, empowering your people for holiness and for mission. That we would be following you and helping others to do the same. And so you prepared us. You told us who we are and what we would be about and what we could expect, what we would need. Oh God, would you stir us up? Stir us up with a great sense of compassion for the lost. Lord, do you want us to call down fire upon all the unbelievers that live around us and work around us and play around us? Oh, you would rebuke us. I've come to save, to seek and to save that which is lost. Fill us with that kind of compassion, that kind of love, that kind of heartbeat for those around us who do not know Christ. And Lord, may we go. May we go. Would you be at work before us preparing hearts to hear. And Lord, we know that we will be rejected by many, but we pray that we might be received by some that they would hear the good news of the gospel and they would open their hearts to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and for the salvation of their souls. Lord, if there's any here this morning who do not know of your peace, maybe they've been trying in their own efforts to uh, make themselves right with you and it's just a futile thing and they, they, they have no sense of peace with you because they're not so sure if they've been good enough. Lord, help them to see they can never be good enough and they're not meant to work for it. They're meant to confess themselves a humble sinner in need of a Savior. And they're meant to see in Jesus Christ a Savior and to put their trust in Him to believe in him, to receive him, not looking to themselves, but looking to him. Maybe this morning, right now, they would put their faith 
in Jesus Christ. We'll pray this for his glory and in his name. Amen.